0: Hi there, you're listening to episode 139 of the Blended Family Podcast. Thank you for being here. You have no idea how thankful I am that you all come back and listen every single week. It means so much to me. I did get some feedback from last week's show on happiness. If you haven't listened yet, go check it out, blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash 138 I shared with you my top 10 happiness boosters and we talked about why you need to be happy in your life right now no matter what the circumstances many of you reached out to me and said that it was impactful and I'm happy to hear that I love hearing your feedback too if you find a show that touches you or helps you in some way let me know it's good for me to know what you like so that I can make sure this show is focused around what you want to hear Feedback can always be sent to me at any time through my email, which is melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com. I will be doing another giveaway soon, so if you want in on that, make sure you're on my list. Everyone on my list is automatically entered into my giveaways. It's that simple. To join, just go to blendedfamilypodcast.com forward slash subscribe. Right now, I only send out one newsletter a month unless there's anything really important I need to get out to you. If you ever forget a link I mention, or if you need to get a hold of me, just scroll down in the show notes on the episode you're listening to and all of the links will be right there for you. Today, I'm bringing you an interview with a guest I've had on previously. We're going to be talking about teens and sexuality. And I purposely timed the show so you'd be hearing it at this time, right around the start of school, because I want it to be fresh on your mind now when you need it most. We all know that back to school means more worry about what our kids are up to when they aren't with us and what they're being exposed to at school. So I hope you enjoy this interview and be sure and come back next week for another show. I am here with Sabelle Gelsiden, who has been on the show before, but it's been a couple of years, so let me introduce her again. Sabelle is a licensed marriage and family therapist, board-certified master's addictions professional, board-certified sex therapist, and life coach with over 20 years of experience. Sabelle earned a Master of Education degree and a specialist in education degree, both specializing in marriage and family therapy from the University of Florida. She's also a graduate of Coach U's three-year prestigious coaching program and works with clients on various life and work issues. Welcome to the show, Isabel. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Melissa. It's great to be back. So the last time you were here we focused mostly on sexuality for couples and that was great but today I want to shift gears a bit and turn our focus towards children and family before we get to all that why don't you first tell us how things have been going for you and your practice and just a little bit more about you since many listeners may not have heard that first interview we did a while back.
1: Sure. I'm still in private practice here in Palm Coast. Uh, Besides training interns, I do have a full practice and seeing a wide variety of clients from children to the elderly, couples, families. Um, And so the new thing is last year I was actually trained in traumatic incident reduction. And so as a result, I have been doing a lot more trauma work, which has been really quite interesting.
0: That's wonderful. And so, as you know, my show mainly focuses on blended families, and there are a lot of issues that can affect a blended family when it comes to sexuality. And so, the first thing I'd like to discuss, which really is a common issue in blended families, is different parenting styles. And what I'm really getting at here, for the purposes of staying on topic, is... Educating our children about sexuality. So what do you recommend when two parents in the home have totally different ideas on how to talk to their kids about sex or even differences in what their general viewpoints are surrounding sexuality in their children?
1: I mean, this is a very common concern. So the first step that I tell my couples when they come in is when it comes to any disagreements or conflict, it's important to create a safe space and time to really discuss uh, where each of them are coming from, because once you can truly understand and I can understand my partner's reasoning and why this stance is so important to them, then I can really kind of work on compromising. So if the parents are unable to compromise on how to discuss sex with their children, you know, I would recommend for them to see either a sexual health educator or a sex therapist like myself to just kind of assist them with this issue um, because sometimes a professional opinion can carry more weight. Um, and for uh, parents, especially if they if they don't dis- if they disagree on something, that would be uh, the way to go, just to kind of keep things calm and be able to come to a solution.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I can see it because each parent thinks that their way is the right way. And sometimes having that third person Mm -hmm. to mediate, that's great. And then I'd also like to ask you, Sabelle, is about the other homes. So even if the two parents in the home can get to a place that they do agree on, what about the other parents who are not living in the home? I know that this question could be posed on any topic when it comes to ex's co-parenting, but with sexuality, people usually have strong feelings about what they want their kids to know or learn. And I'd love to say, go ahead and have that conversation with your ex, but we know that isn't always possible. So how can blended families navigate this in a way where all parents feel comfortable Or is that even possible?
1: That's a tough one. But similar to my previous answer, I think the first step is seeing if you can try to openly communicate and truly understanding first, right, before we can come to a compromise. But if that is not possible, you know, sex education is extremely important. And I would strongly encourage parents to talk with children about sex. So if one parent is not okay with the other parent talking about sex education, then one option would be to give them books on sex education where the children themselves, if they are if they can read, um, They can read up on the topic. Um, There are so many resources out there that are excellent, that take into consideration many different religions and approaches to sex education. So usually I will ask parents, would you rather have control over what your child learns about sex? Or would you rather them get misinformation like from their peers or social media? Like, for example, with STDs, HIV, sexual molestation, unwanted pregnancies still being such an issue in this country, I think it's safe to say that we all want to protect our children. Uh, the, main abate, the main debate about sex education, I think, is often like the abstinence model versus like the safe sex model. However, believe that sex education, I mean, should start at a very early age, really to help children be able to remain safe and to have an easier time later to talk with them about their bodies. Like oftentimes I say to parents, you know, it starts really young. I mean, just teaching children how to properly identify their private body parts. You know, sometimes parents use um, really these cutesy kind of terms for like penis or vagina, but we really want to use the appropriate terms uh, so that children early on learn to identify the body parts and really can, when they get older, can openly talk about it. Because when it comes time for them to be teenagers, that is kind of key, right? And so if one parent doesn't agree, I mean, sometimes you have to make the best decision for your child, right? And and I think if you can say, well, listen, if you don't want me to talk about sex education, what would you be willing to allow? What is it that I can talk with my child about? And if they absolutely are against anything, then maybe just, you know, slide them a good book that is uh, age appropriate, that maybe comes highly recommended, or maybe that even, you know, a professional can recommend to them so that if there's any issues later down the road, God forbid, if they have to go to court about something that they did, you know, you can back it up that a professional recommended that and this wasn't the child's best interest.
0: Yeah. And perhaps if, if your ex is against it, even trying to open up that conversation, ask them mm-hmm. why, what are, what are they against it, and why, what are they afraid Absolutely. of. So Absolutely. I've spoken before here on the show about how open Sean and I are with the kids about everything, including sex. We, we are definitely an open book here in my house. But I wasn't always like that. Sean really helped me out with that. And I've seen the benefits of it with my kids. And I know that it's a very personal decision. But I'd love for you to talk about this a little. How can parents get more comfortable talking about sex with their kids, and how do they know what is age-appropriate or not? Give us some guidelines on opening up the lines of communication with our children about sex.
1: Sure. I think, first of all, it would be interesting, I think, for my parents, and this is usually a question that I ask them in session, is how did you find about sex? And how did you feel about it? Uh, Because most of the older generation uh, of us, I remember including myself, um, there was no talk about sex. And we found out through peers, through magazines, um, different things, and sometimes that was not the best information that we've gotten, right? So um, usually if parents are not comfortable to have that talk, Uh, There are a lot of good books out that guide parents through what to talk about their children with at what age when it comes to their sexual development and sex. So I would definitely invest in a few books or search the local library for some options. Um, I personally like books, especially for tweens, because they can become quite embarrassed about the sex talk yes. and get grossed out about it, right? No, dad, mom, don't <laughs> talk about it. Uh, so giving them a book that they can read can be very informative. And it takes the embarrassment out for both the tween and the parent But if you do feel comfortable about talking to your child about sex and sexual development, then I would use the books just as a guide to help, what to call private parts, for example, how to explain wet dreams or girls getting their period and their body changing, puberty. So it is important to answer questions that children have. So as they will be obviously exposed through social media, the internet, you know, we got porn, that's an issue, other children, TV. So... If you don't feel comfortable answering questions such as, you know, hey, mom, what's a blowjob? You know, it's okay to say, you know, I'll talk to you about that a little later and do some reading on it and then come back. But make sure that you answer the question. You never want to leave your child hanging when it comes to those type of personal questions because that could shut them down to potentially open up to you again. Right, So short and sweet and to the point is usually all that is necessary. Um, I've done quite a lot of sex education with children and, and tweens and teenagers as well as adults. And I have to say it is often scary what type of misinformation is out there when it comes to sex. So I highly encourage all parents to to do some sex education with their children and, and really maybe just practice. And if you have a spouse, you know, take terms, Hey, listen, I'm more comfortable talking about this versus, you know, you're more comfortable about talking, you know, development and and different things. So I would just say tag team it.
0: That sounds good. And, and like you said, if you don't answer the question, they are going to try to find out the answer in another way, whether that's friends or the internet, and they are going Absolutely. to get the information wrong or it's not going to be what you wanted them to know. So I would right. definitely get a hold of that. Now, there are some big concerns when it comes to blending a family with teenagers. We never know how things are going to play out. Teenagers are going through some major body changes with the onset of puberty. And it's a very difficult time for them. And so the first thing I want to know is how to best support them through this life change when they're dealing with not only switching homes, but also having step parents and step siblings. Can you talk about that a little bit? Maybe just give us some tips or ideas on how to best help our kids go through puberty while they're also dealing with the many challenges that come with being part of a blended family.
1: I mean, Melissa, that is very true. I mean, I think for teenagers, definitely puberty is a turbulent time. You know, besides their bodies changing, hormones raging, and trying to figure out who they are and and what they want, you know, adding a new household and new family members can definitely be overwhelming. So it is vital that the primary parents do check-ins with their teens on a regular basis. So how are you doing? What are some things you're struggling with? How can I help you to adjust to this new situation better? You know, it's important to watch for changes in habits like grades and friends, you know, them isolating, sudden mood changes. Um, if necessary, have them see a therapist to help them adjust, um, And also develop those positive coping skills maybe that they are lacking. Um, I think overall, just listening, validating their feelings, you know, not minimizing their struggles, um, not necessarily offering solutions unless your teen really asks you for help or solutions. um, And just being there can help them quite a bit. I think um, just you noticing that they're going through a difficult time and offering support can
0: make all the difference. Yeah, I think since we last spoke, let's see, we we had our other interview two over two years ago, mm-hmm. and since then, uh, I actually have now four teenagers in the house because I've got two thirteen-year-olds right. and mm-hmm. uh, and then the sixteen and the seventeen. And boy, is it difficult this time for them. Right. So, and my own blended family has been together for ten years, and our kids were very mm-hmm. young at the time. They grew up together, so I never had to worry about any sexual attraction between them since they really do consider one another actual siblings at this point. But I know that in many blended families, that's not the case. And in a situation where a new blended family forms at a time where there are teenagers, I imagine that there can be a possibility of sexual attraction between step-siblings. Of course, this may be uncommon and it may really be uncomfortable for people to talk about, but I want to address it because it does happen. And so I know it makes parents squirm a little but The reality of it is those step-siblings are not blood-related, and although I see so many reasons this could be a huge problem, can you tell us how a blended family should handle this? And in your opinion, is this something to be worried about?
1: I mean, there are definitely incidents where this could happen and has happened. Um, I think supervision is vitally important when it comes to step-siblings living together, especially if they're a big age difference. So the potential for sexual molestation could occur. I mean, nobody wants to really think about it or talk about it, but that is definitely a possibility. Um, it's important that an older step-sibling is not left alone with a much younger step-sibling, right? And again, good sex education is important, uh, where we go through good touch, bad touch, private areas, who's allowed to touch us and where we are allowed to touch others. So in the area where the step-siblings are teens, that are close in age, that are attracted to each other, uh, my recommendation would be first off, you know, validate their feelings. I mean, sometimes you can't help who you fall in love Mm -hmm. with, right? And explain that it's normal, but also discuss what are your rules on dating anyone, whether in the family or outside, and then what boundaries would need to be created in order to keep everyone safe, and I would thoroughly discuss the consequences that could result, so the most obvious is such as what do we do as a family if you break up with each other? You know, how would the day-to-day living be affected and then what measures would we need to take in order to prevent you from having sex Um, if parents you know feel overwhelmed by the situation rather than jumping to a decision or allowing it or not allowing it i would recommend like seeing a professional to really assist the parents and the family in navigating through this issue because that could really get complicated Um, You know, not to say that there aren't um, step-siblings that have fallen in love and are married and and, and are happy and it works, Um, but I think um, it could definitely be a potential for lots of problems, so getting some good guidance and help would definitely be my recommendation.
0: Okay, great. And I thought about that same thing too. If something should happen and you don't, you decide you don't like each other anymore, then that is going to affect the whole entire family. So that was my concern mm-hmm. also. Okay, um, next question I had is, you know, I've had many parents write to me about boundaries and structure regarding their pubescent children. Some things seem like common sense, such as not having step siblings of the opposite sex share a room. But there are other things that can get blurry, for example, kids getting the privacy they need or the sharing of bathrooms. Are there any guidelines parents should follow here so that they can make sure all of the children are not only comfortable, but also so they feel their needs are being met?
1: Right. I'm, I'm a big fan of um, good rules, house rules, good boundaries, and clear expectations for children. And so whenever you start You know, introducing um, a blended family, right? It's important that right from the get go, we have clear expectations and guidelines because I think from then on it's smooth sailing. But even, let's say, you don't have them, it's never too late to implement them. So I think each child having privacy, for example, in the bathroom is important, as well as the opposite sex children not sharing a room together would be my recommendation. I encourage parents you know early on to teach children about closing doors when changing or going to the bathroom for example for children not to enter other children's rooms without permission and knocking first whether it's the parents' bedroom or another child I think overall just having respect is important so not touching siblings or horse playing around when they don't want to Um, And I think, again, checking in with all of your children about how they feel and what they need in order to feel more comfortable, especially the stepchildren that may be visiting for the weekend's. Um, I like weekly family meetings where everybody in the family can bring up like one or two concerns Mm -hmm. and where children learn to compromise, you know, resolve conflicts, problem solving skills, learning to advocate for themselves and really learning to communicate openly. So during that process, I think everybody in the family has a voice and the parents don't carry all that responsibility themselves either. That's
0: great. Um, I'd love for you to help me answer a couple of listener questions. It's always nice to get an expert opinion on things. So the first one comes from a stepdad, and it was long, so I've shortened it a little bit, but he says... I need some input as to what is appropriate for high school-aged girls to wear to school and just out in public in general. My wife and I are in our late 40s and I'm not a prude or overly conservative or anything, but I have a big issue with the way she lets her 15 and 17-year-old daughters dress. I've briefly mentioned it to her a few times, but she made it clear she has no issues and I don't feel like it's my place to tell her how they should dress. Maybe it's just a different time and I can't relate as I have no kids of my own. Both girls wear yoga pants or leggings or yoga shorts or short shorts that barely cover their butt cheeks to school almost every day Without a shirt or anything to cover their butts, leaving nothing to the imagination. Outside of school, it's far worse. I have one guy friend in a similar situation with a teen stepdaughter, and he said he and his wife have the same issue. He directly tells her to cover up, and his wife tells her to wear what she wants and to feel comfortable because she is a beautiful girl. And then if anyone has a problem with her body, then they shouldn't look. Am I missing something? I do not feel comfortable telling them they are dressing too revealing as I came into their lives when it was when it already wasn't an issue for them or their older sister. Why are stepdads more protective than their moms? Is it because we know how guys, especially high school boys, think and look at women? I'm lost and I know it's not ultimately my issue, but I do get embarrassed if we're all out to dinner or something and the girls have everything hanging out and showing, I see this as seeking male attention And my wife just thinks they wear what they're comfortable wearing, so who cares? I think there needs to be some kind of line, but I don't feel appropriate bringing up how they look to either them directly or to my wife, given their ages and my newness to this family dynamic. So, Sabelle, what would you say to this listener?
1: So this is an excellent question that I actually have dealt with quite frequently, you know, especially here in Florida, since it tends to get Mm -hmm. really hot and the less clothing, the cooler. Um, So there's a couple of measures that young girls and teenagers are dealing with. So first, you know, there's peer pressure from other girls, you know, fashion trends, social media. So we all want to kind of fit in. And then, of course, there's seeking attention. And for most teenage girls, it's attention from boys. Um, And then thirdly, you know, just wanting to be be comfortable and not having a care of what others think or how it looks. Um, That's kind of like the the, the rebellious teenager attitude, right? Mm -hmm. I do what I want when I want. So the first step is really for parents to be on the same page. And so when you join a new family that's already established, that they have their routines and their rules and their way of doing things, you have to be very careful and you have to kind of dread very lightly, right? Um, Because you are coming in new and you're kind of like an outsider in a way. So I definitely feel this um, dad's pain. So the first step really would be he needs to talk with the mom, right? Because in any type of parenting, you have to be a united parent front. And one of the things that I say to parents all the time is if the person was good enough to marry, that person is good enough to discipline or educate or have a say in the way you raise your family, right? So... It's really important that he and his wife really talk about where she's coming from, what are her viewpoints, and then really for him to explain what's going on with him. So You know, I think most dads object because they don't want other men and boys to sexualize their daughter or objectify her or worse, have her be at risk for a sexual assault or be labeled with negative terms. Um, I think dad also feel maybe he feels the pressure from other dads or people. And maybe, you know, they would say, well, why would you let your daughter dress like that, feeling like he's just failed as a father? you know mm. i think overall if we want to be respected we have to act and conduct and dress ourselves in a certain manner i mean i think that goes across anybody in society and and especially for our children teenagers and adults there's always a place and time for everything especially when it comes to how we dress and We know that most schools have a dress code for exactly that reason. Um, I believe that we teach our children to respect themselves and their bodies, and especially for young girls and and women, it is important that we teach them that you don't have to be overly sexualized in order to get attention. I mean, are we indirectly saying your body and your looks is the only way that you can get attention? I mean, I'm more of a proponent to teaching young girls and women to work on their inner values, to help them respect themselves and be able to have good self esteem and self worth through like their accomplishments in their lives. I mean, I think I would compromise with teens on their dress code, especially initially. I think you have to go slow, you know, so how can you still be attractive and fashionable but be age appropriate? And and somewhat fairly modest without attracting negative attention. And further help your child to resist the peer pressure, like to be okay with who they are without constantly having to fit in with every fashion trend, right? Or with other girls that are wearing certain things. Um, This will serve, I think, them well when it comes to withstanding peer pressure, when it comes to drugs or sex or other negative actions. So, I think, you know, really helping the couple, first of all, to be a united pair on front and understanding where they're coming from and why they're choosing certain things. And then, again, talking with your teenager about, you know, their choices and, and compromising around some of their clothing choices, I think, would be the way to go.
0: Great. And the next question is from a bio mom, and it's regarding sleepovers. I've actually had multiple questions on this topic. So she says... I've been with my partner for two years and I have two bio kids, a son who's 13 and a daughter who's 10. My husband has two kids, a daughter who's 15 and a son who's nine. We just moved in together and one of our concerns is sleepovers. Before we moved in, they were all used to having sleepovers with friends often. We cannot do that as much now as we don't know how to make that fair since we can't allow them all to have friends over. More importantly, as the kids get older, we are concerned about sleepovers and sexual attraction between some of the friends and our kids. Do we not allow sleepovers at all? Should we be very careful about who we invite over? This may sound silly, but we already have had crushes develop with my son and my stepdaughter's friends. I'm not sure what type of boundaries I should set or if there are conversations I should be having. Thanks for your input. This is all new to us. So what are your feelings on that one, Sabelle?
1: Oh boy, Melissa, I'm going to be honest with you. I am not a fan of sleepovers. And my disclaimer here is that after 20 years of being in the counseling field, I just heard too many stories that I feel it's just not worth the risk. Mm -hmm. Um, For one, as a parent, you're responsible for this child as they are now in your house. So there's a certain liability that goes with that. And then second, the sexual abuse potential is high from... You know, one of the friends to your own child or even a parent, grandparent, uncle, cousin, etc. that might also live in that home, you know, with that child. So, I know people say, you know, my son, my husband, father, uncle, cousin is not that kind of person. He would never do that. But, well, as we all know, most sexual abuse cases happen with someone that the child knows well. So, But let's say you do want to give your children that opportunity. And so here would be my safety guidelines. So first, I would say keep sleepovers or playdates infrequent so that a familiarity or grooming opportunity cannot arise. Um, And then second, supervision, supervision, and supervision. Okay, so if you are the parent supervising, make sure your door is open, the children's bedroom doors are open, and you do periodic check-ins throughout the night. Uh, do not leave the children alone in the home under any circumstance, like not even to run to the store for five minutes. Um, I would make sure you discuss with the other parent of the child that is coming over what their requests are in boundaries and possible allergies, a lot of food choices, you know, possible bedwetting, medications, they need, anything. And then three, like set boundaries and rules on the interaction and separation between the friend coming over and the other children of opposite sex or the younger children and And I think, of course, use your judgment on who you think is a good fit to come over for a sleepover, right? So, and then reevaluate after the sleepover whether the child should be allowed over again or not. You know, apply the necessary consequences when boundaries are broken or rules not observed. For example, a frequent one I hear is, you know, doors stay open and when the parent goes to check, the door is closed and when opened, you know, activity is going on that is clearly not appropriate, Mm. you know? This usually happens when a girlfriend or boyfriend comes over to visit. And then I think if you're trying to decide who is allowed sleepovers or not, I would say, you know, make that based on um, earning a sleepover. You know, this could be another carrot that you could use for your children. You know, have you done your chores? Are your grades good in school? Is your attitude good? Have you been respectful? Um, So sometimes it's not a thing that has to be fair across all children. I think a sleepover is is an opportunity. It's a treat, right? This is causing more work and responsibility for you. So I feel like it's something that, that children need to earn. It doesn't necessarily something that has to be a fair across the board, right?
0: That's great. That's a really good answer. So thank you for helping me answer those listener questions. Um, we have to wrap up. So before we go, can you tell everyone how to find you if they're interested in working with you? Absolutely. You can visit my website
1: at net, or you can call our office at
0: area code 386-283-5900. That is perfect, and I will add that to the show notes. I really appreciate you coming on today to talk about some of these issues. Thank you for being here. Thank you again for having me on the podcast. Listeners, I hope that you found some value in today's show. I know that some of you may not need this information just yet if your kids are really young, but you will as they get older. Sexuality is a hard topic for people to discuss, but even harder when it comes to our children. But we cannot bury our heads in the sand. Our children, whether we like it or not, are going to become sexual beings. And we really want to make sure we guide them properly so they can have a healthy sexual life into their adulthood. Feedback or questions can be sent to me, Melissa, at blendedfamilypodcast.com. As always, thank you so much for listening, and have a fantastic week. Bye.